Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Welcome to church this morning. Anybody excited to be in a place of worship with brothers and sisters to gather together? Man, such a great, great place to be. If if you would today, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at chapter 3 and 4. And um, so don't worry, the end of 3, beginning of 4, don't uh, get too concerned there. Uh, thanks for joining us. This is our last week of uh, This Is Next, and as, as uh, Pastor Tim mentioned, next week we'll be having a week of services, our week of refresh with uh, Evangelist Mike Holt. Come and be a part of that Sunday uh, through Wednesday in those services, just believing for healing, believing for uh, just a work of the Spirit, that we would encounter God in just a, a great way, being refreshed in His presence together. Uh, this morning as we're wrapping up this series called This Is Next, the last couple months, or last month we've been, uh, over the last couple weeks, looking at uh, this idea of being ready for what God has prepared next for us, of what God is wanting to do and what He's preparing and what He has in store. Today I want to look at the small picture. We're oftentimes looking at the big picture, and we need to look at the big picture. The big picture gives us perspective. It tells us context. But the big picture will tell you which direction you're heading, but if you don't know the small picture, you won't know how to get there. You've got to not just know where you're headed, which is as important as that is, but you've got to know the step to get there. And I'm going to look at the small picture today that leads to the big picture of what God has next. We challenge you uh, uh, at the beginning of this, if you've been with us in our next journals, just being able to write down what it is that we're believing God is preparing our hearts for, to to be able to to capture that and, and look at that. And uh, if you've been writing that down with us, you've been taking this journey with us, we want to take a look today at, at stepping back and not just seeing the big picture of what God wants to do, but we're ending this today with the small picture. That might seem a little odd and not seem to be the way to do. Maybe you'd end on the big picture. But I believe that whatever the big picture is, is just the next before God gets ready to give you an even bigger picture. How many would agree with me? That even what God wants to do next in your life, that's still not the end, that God has more in store. He still has more that he's doing. And so to be ready for the more that God's going to do, if we want God to do the next step, the next step is only getting us ready for the next one. And if we're going to be ready for what's two steps down the road, three steps down the road, we're always going to have to be able to know the small picture in order to be ready for the big picture. So would you stand with me today in Ephesians chapter 3? I want to look at uh, just this uh, key word that we're going to find here today in the text that we we read, this is Paul's writing to the church, and it says in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. How many know we get excited about that word? Now to him who is able, the one who can do more than we can even imagine, the one who's able to do what is next in our life. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And would you say with Paul, amen. This is a doxology. This is the end of, a, of one of his writings, but it's a transition. He's, it's not an end of a writing, but an end of a thought. He's transitioning because if we now go to chapter 4. Chapter 4 was not a separate letter, not a separate piece. This is all one piece, but he's transitioning his thought. He's saying, now to him who is able to do more than you can even imagine. He's saying amen to that one. Chapter 4, he says, therefore, he says, I told you that to tell you this. I told you that, that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine, the God who can do more than you can even dream. 
I told you that to tell you this. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, lead a life worthy of the calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort. Have you ever noticed something that takes effort? Doesn't mean it happens easy or naturally. If it takes effort, it takes work. He says, make every effort, making every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. How many know that God has a future? He has a future in store for you, for each and every one of us. This morning, I pray today that we would be individuals who are, here's the word, investable. Ask your neighbor today, are you investable? Are you investable? If they think we made up the word, we didn't. We'll tell you that in a bit. God, help us to be investable. Lord, this morning, God, I pray that seed would fall on good ground. God, that our hearts would be ready to receive. And Lord, I pray today for a return of 30, 60, and even 100-fold. I thank you that the heavens are open today, God, that you've already poured out your spirit. God, you've already given us all that we need. Let our hearts, our soil, be ready today to receive so that, God, you might do the next great thing through us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Would you shout amen if you agree with that today? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As you know, for the past month as we've been looking at this this desire to walk into what God has next, Psalm 37, God is a God of order because we know this. He says that he orders the steps of the righteous. He is ordering the steps of the righteous. So he is preparing us from where we are to what he has next. We are not walking in happenstance. You have a decision in your life that you can either walk into life's happenings or I would choose to walk into life development. Life happening just means this. It just happens. It just happens. But development is not just happening, but it happens for purpose. I believe and I would design or I believe God has designed us to know that he is a God of purpose. He's designed you with purpose. He knows how to bring purpose out of whatever you're walking through. That he knows what he's doing in life. That he's a God of purpose. He created me on purpose. He designed me with purpose and he called me to his purpose. He is a God of purpose and when I wrap and take a hold of the purpose that God has for me, when I allow that to become part of my heart and become a part of my intention, it will prepare me for what God is about to do next. That we're not walking in life that's just happening to us. We're walking in life that God is developing in us. How many are still being developed in the presence of God? We're being developed in this process of walking into what it is that he has next. That the purpose today, that what he wants to accomplish in us is he's taking us from where we are to where he wants us to be. The question I want to ask us today about the purpose is, is the purpose that God has or the purpose that you're taking hold of today, is it bigger than you? Will the purpose last beyond you? Or does the purpose end with you? Are you investable? Are you investable? Now, this word invest is simply a a verb that means to to put to use. When you invest something, you put it to use. When you're investing time, you're using your time. When you're investing resources, when you invest, it means to put to use. Now you are here today and just because you are invested in time or you've invested some time, it doesn't mean that just because we are using time that we're using it properly. Just because we use things doesn't mean that we're using it to its full potential. How many would agree with that? Just because we're making use of something doesn't mean we're utilizing it to what it can be used for the most. Just because you're investable doesn't mean you're investable. You know what I mean. Just because you're investable doesn't mean 
your investment because it sounds like the same word and it is the same word but it's not the same word because just one letter makes all the difference just because you're investable doesn't mean you're investable you see because these words that we didn't make up and some of you already know that but if you're if something is investable with an i it means it can be invested into it means it has the ability to invest into it and you might be investable that you can be invested into but God's not just looking for people he can invest into. He's looking for people he, who he can invest through. That he wants us to be investable with an A so that we can be available to what God has for us. That we would not just be a people. And here's the difference. It's all made different by one letter. And the question is, the purpose that God has for your life, is it about you or is it bigger than you? The purpose of what you're believing God for, your next that you wrote in your journal, your next that you're asking God to do, is your next connected to you or is it bigger than you? How many would know, even if God, if it's about your marriage, God wants to work in your marriage, but it's not just so you can have a great marriage, it's so that your children can grow up in a great home and know the blessing and the favor so that it might influence, that it might go through, that it would become more than just you, that God wants to do something not just in you, but he wants you to be investable, that he can do something through you. How many received that this morning? morning that say, God, I want to be available that you can do something through me, that it would flow in my life, that we would be investable, that investable of, of availability, being ready for God to, to do something. Does it go further than you and I? Here's two questions we need to ask ourselves if something is going to be investable or usable. In order to use something, there's two questions we have to ask about that item. When it comes to your purpose, number one, who does it belong to? And what was it, its original intent and purpose? Before you can use anything, you have to determine who does it belong to. I, I was uh, walking to school one day, and, and uh, elementary mom would walk me to school. And as we were walking by a home that was a really nice home on, on the, the walk from, from where we lived to the school, there, was, there were toys on a regular basis at different parts of that, uh, of that house. But one day, I saw a purple sand shovel that was on the sidewalk and just the handle or so laying on the grass. As I'm walking to school, it's on the sidewalk. I pick up the, the, the sand shovel and I hold it in my hand and I said, Mom, look what I found. And she replies back to me. She says, put it down. That doesn't belong to you. Now, she was absolutely right that it doesn't belong to me, but I also recognized that it was a sand shovel, that it could be used at the beach, and I had plans that were better for it than just sitting on the side of the sidewalk. I had never been to a beach in my life. I don't even know what, but I've seen this shovel, and mom, I could put, I dreamed of what I could do with it. Here's the problem. Because I took what did not belong to me, I had the potential to now take something that was a purpose to steal it and misuse it. Because the only way I can take it is if I know who it belongs to. I want to say today, too many purposes that belong to God have been hijacked and misused. They've been stolen and sold on the black market for personal gain. And some have even been taken to the flea market to just try and get a good deal. That we misuse the purpose that God has put inside of us. Instead of invest, being investable and available, that God's looking and wanting to use our lives, use our resources, but he's not able to use the resources because we have taken ownership of it and have now stolen and misused what was designed to be his. You know, even me, I love having a good deal. But if too many purposes have been stolen and misused, you can take something and use it and then take it to the flea market, take it to the yard sale, take it wherever, 
and you can get a good deal for it. But one of the things I've learned, even though I like having a good deal, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. And your next is connected in wanting God to do a great thing in your purpose and in your life. But you've got to be careful that if you're not investable, that your purpose becomes more about you and you've hijacked, we hijack what God wants to do and it becomes about us rather than about his purpose and about his kingdom. Because everybody wants God to do something significant, but nobody wants to pay full price for it. Everybody wants to be Elisha who slaps his jacket on the ground and watches the water part, but nobody wants to be Elisha who pours water for decades over the master's hands. Everybody wants to pour the, wants to part the water, but very few want to learn how to pour the water. Everybody wants to be like Joseph, give me a dream and let me stand in front of people, in front of even my own family and serve them and watch them bow down to me. Everybody wants to have the big dream, but nobody wants to learn how to serve the ones who have forgotten you and left you and abandoned you. No one wants to learn how to serve the ones who, who literally sold into slavery, misused you, misrepresented you. Everybody wants to be at a place of having the big dream, but nobody wants to pay the price. Everybody wants to be the David who slays the giant, comes out with the, sloan, the stone slinging, ready to catch him at just the right place and to give God glory for it. But many people forget that David didn't come to slay a giant before he first showed up that day to serve a meal to his brothers. That before he ever swung the slingshot to slay a giant that was coming against a land and all the people would sing his praises for generations. Before he ever did the act that people sang about, he first did the, the act that no one knew about. Hanging in the, tent, in the place of the pasture, hanging with the sheep and all of a sudden he is called by his father not to go to battle and to do something great. Dad says, hey, my, your brothers have been off in, the, off in the battle for a long time. Give them some food. They've not been fed for a while. Would you go and feed them and go get an up do you realize that David was anointed king before this whole time? David could have said, you mean you want me to carry food and serve the brothers that I'm the king over? The one that I've been ordained to be the king of? You want me to serve the people that I'm supposed to reign over? And here's the truth. If you don't know how to deliver a lunch basket, you'll never be ready to deliver, to deliver dreams and visions and things that God wants to do. If you don't know how to pick up the lunch basket and serve, you'll not be ready to walk in the greatness of what God desires and what he wants to do next in your life. If we don't know how to walk, everybody wants significance. Here it is. Your next significance, the significance, your next will not be significant until your now is filled with serving. Your next will not be filled with significance until your now is filled with serving. You're serving what God has called you to do, that God has put this purpose inside of you. There's nothing wrong with wanting the dreams of what God is going to do and let them be big and let them be significant, Joseph. Dream about what God wants to do. David, be called to be a king. Walk in this greatness. Have this strong desire, but never forget the big picture doesn't happen until you know the small picture. And the small picture is that I've got to take a step and walking into what God has for me right now. If it's not serving, it won't be significant. Because if it's not serving, it'll be short-lived. It'll be a light that comes and flickers and it makes a great light and a great blast, a great display, but it flickers and goes out in time. God has not called us to be a church that would flicker in our season, but that would burn so we could hand the torch to the next generation. So that it would be not just what God does in us, but what God does through us. That we would allow this to be set forth, to be set in motion, and to be accomplished. But our purpose, having to be identifying that if the purpose is, if God's purpose is going to be carried out and played out in our lives, we have to identify who does it belong to and what is its original intent and purpose. Can I tell you, you always know this, that your calling, the calling that God gives you, 
Paul says this in, in verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, I, I beseech you, I beg you, lead a life worthy of your calling because you've been called by God. You've been called by God. God has called you to his purpose. It is his calling that he's put upon your life. It belongs to him. The purpose that you have isn't yours. It's God's. It belongs to him. And the original intent and purpose will always be to serve. It'll always be to serve. If we don't catch the heart of serving, do you know greatness came to serve? Greatness comes to serve. If you want to be great, you've got to be the least. Jesus made, this, made the, the picture to his disciples. He said, if you want to be great, they argued over who would be great. Who gets to sit at your right hand? Who gets to have significance? And Jesus said, the one who serves the least among you, the one who is serving, the heart of the servant is the one who become great. Even Jesus himself, the greatest of all great, Jesus said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many, that this is the step of significance of what God wants to do and accomplish in our lives. Your next can only be filled with significance when your now is filled with serving. It is God's calling. We can get all excited about what God is going to do next and, and believe and dream that it's bigger than we can even imagine. And I hope you don't ever lose sight of that. I, God has given me dreams and before I had a had the opportunity to preach to breathing people, I started preaching to teddy bears because I had a dream. That might sound weird, but this little seven or eight-year-old just wanted to see Jesus move. And then I remember going to college and one day not even being able to go to class, not because I was skipping, because the presence of God fell so strong in my dorm. And I looked over the city of Minneapolis I began to weep, and I said, God, give us a city. I knew I wasn't praying for Minneapolis because I was just there for a moment, but I said, God, give me a city. God, give me a place to pour over. Give me a place that you want. And in that place, God began to burden my heart for a place I'd never been, for people I never knew, for what I never had any idea of. But God began to start in those small things. We came to, back to Gettysburg, our hometown, and started, and knowing that God had called me to be a preacher, I wanted to preach. And guess where the first opportunity was? My wife and I got to lead the three-year-old class. We made that the best three-year-old class we could ever find. We created tents in the corner, told those kids stories. We wanted to create the best three-year-old class there was. I upgraded from teddy bears to three-year-olds. I began to share Jesus with those three-year-olds. I remember one girl named Morgan. She loved to come to class, and what's the story going to be? Now Morgan is a, a mother herself today, seeing what God is setting in motion. And then all of a sudden, I get a chance to be a youth pastor. I went from teddy bears to three-year-olds to teenagers. God, take me back to teddy bears. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> and we got a room of teenagers and God, I, I don't know what all it is, but I'm just going to pour out my heart because I'm just going to serve where you call me. And he opens up the door, and man, then that leads to whatever it leads to. I don't even know, and I'll be honest with you. God's given me dreams that are even bigger than what I'm seeing right now. Not because of what I get to do, but because I want to see the kingdom of God advance in such a way that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I've got great dreams, and I don't ever want to lose sight of those great dreams. 
And the only way I can make sure I don't lose sight of the great dreams is that I don't lose sight of the small picture. You don't lose sight of the small picture because in order to live worthy of the calling, it requires this to be balanced. Now, I know in some context of life, it's not possible to be balanced. I've learned this. I've tried to be balanced in my life, but, but there's certain things I realized you just can't balance. When you're a parent of kids that are at home, it's hard to balance. The kids get more attention. They have to. It's a season of life. It's a stage. It's where I am. But one area that I have to do, that I do have to be balanced in, I have to be balanced. And I mean that for some of us. You're trying to be balanced in your work life, your home life, your family. There are times where we've got to be intentional. I think rather than balanced, we have to be intentional. That's the trade-off. It's not balanced because there's no way to give equal time to this, equal time to them, equal time. It's just not possible. So you have to be intentional because balance in every area is not possible. Okay? But where there is possibility of balance is that I make sure that my life is lived well and honoring the calling that God has given me. In whatever context I'm in, whether I'm the father, whether I'm the husband, whether I'm a pastor, whether I'm a friend, I'm a laborer, whatever I'm in, whatever context I'm in, I always need to be balanced. And here's the balance. It says, he says, live worthy of your calling. Live worthy of your calling. Let, lead a life that is worthy of your calling. That word worthy literally means in the Greek, if you look to live worthy, those words put together means this, to bring up the other bar. To bring up the other bar. What that is is on a scale. And a scale that is balancing, it says that in order for you to live worthy, make sure you bring up the bar. On one side, on one side of the bar is your calling that comes from God. The other side of the bar is the way you're living your life. Make sure they're in balance. Make sure that your calling always lines up with your purpose or with your, with your character. Let me give you some things with your calling to be in balance. And here's number one about your calling. Number one, your calling comes from God. It's God who gave you your calling. You are called by God. He gave you a divine purpose. You might be good at welding. You're not good at welding just because you learned something. God gave you the ability to learn. He gifted you and made you a welder. Do what you do unto the glory of God. He gave you the gift. Yeah, it puts food on the table. Yeah, it, it, it provides for a need. But God gave you that gift that you might use the resources and be investable into the work and the calling. Not so you can just be investable with an eye that it serves you. He's given you the gifts so that it could flow through you. That when we understand what God wants to come through you, he didn't make you good at what you do so you can just be good at what you do and people can say you're good at what you do. He made you good at what you do so that he could work through you to cause an investment that you can be used of God, that what he creates, because when you're sitting in your job and doing what you're doing, it always equals something. You're sitting in your job, it equals time. That time equals money. What does the money equal? That's your job. That's up to you to determine the resources, the investment, that we're balanced in what we're doing and what, we're, what our perspective is, that we're giving accordingly to the calling, the purpose that God has put in our life. Number two with your calling, your calling cannot go further than your character. You can have a calling and have all the abilities and all the calling, but if your character is not in alignment, it doesn't matter how called you are, you'll miss the mark. Your character, God, God cares more about your character don't think you've got the ability to make money that now gives you the privilege to just do whatever you want to. A lot of people hide behind prestige. 
A lot of people hide behind ability. That's lording it over people. That's, that's making control. I'm not in control of my kids. I've been the, given the responsibility to look after my kids, which requires me at times to have control. But it's not the control that I drive for. What drives me is I have a calling. I don't respond to my kids in places to control them. I respond to them in, at times that it looks like I'm controlling them to them. But I'm not controlling. What driving, what's driving me is not my desire to control you. What's driving me is my calling that I need to nurture and to develop you. And because I have this calling, it might look like this to you, but I've got to be in balance. And the balance always comes from our heart being in the right place, wanting to accomplish and see God's work go through us, that we advance the work, that it continues. That the calling that God has given us, that it always has to line up with our character. Who you are is more important than what you can do. If you're more, if you know more about your ability than you knew about your humility, you're out of balance. If your ability rises further than your humility, you're out of balance. But what will keep you in balance, I'm jumping ahead of myself, is humility. Let me give you number three with your calling God has called you, and your calling is not connected to what you do, but who you influence. If you want to know your purpose, your purpose is not your ability. Your purpose is the first name of the person you're influencing. My purpose for a number of years, and still is with two of them, but my purpose for 18 years of my life, starting at the age of 21, was Jaron. Now, that has changed. He's now 19. I've now transitioned to another point. Now, I've got two more that I still have that purpose. But if I wrap my purpose up in Jaron, how many know I'll get off track and miss what God has for me? And some people are still wrapping your purpose around what was 19 years ago. God said there's a season. Your purpose is not what you do. Your purpose is in the one that you're influencing. And you're, we, we get too wrapped up in where we've been and what has been a season and forgetting to recognize what the Spirit of God is wanting to have us perceive. What is next? Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? Do you not see what is next? What it is that he's preparing? What it is that he wants to do? And we're looking for the next people. I, I've, already, I've already in a place. I don't have plans to go anywhere, but I'm already praying for the next pastor of Faith Assembly if God should tarry. I don't have any plans of going anywhere. Don't get excited. Don't get happy. Don't get worried. I don't know whatever side that'd be. I don't have any plans of going anywhere, but I'm already asking God. God, give us perception. Help me to pray. Help me as I pray. I want to see, I want to prepare and see this work set forth because my purpose is not wrapped up in what I do. My purpose is wrapped up in who I prepare and who I help to get into what God has called them to do because if it ends with me, how many of we've missed it? There's a man by the name of Zenith. I don't even know his first name. Did you ever hear, hear of Zenith? Someone asked Zenith, they said, what is your definition of success? He had a good company. And he said, my definition of success is that when I'm doing things so well, people can't live without me. Well, he sure lived up to his desire because Zenith televisions don't even exist anymore. His desire happened. He wanted to make sure he's the one that's needed. Want to make sure he's the one that holds it all together. Want to make sure he's the one that everybody knows. Did you know? I walked in this morning and as I was taking my notes to the, the balcony for our media team, I walked into the room while the worship team is 
is worshiping. The lights were on, the projector's on, the, the musicians are in place, they're worshiping. And I walked in and there was no one in the room. They're rehearsing, they're getting ready. And I stood in the back and I gave thanks to God. I said, God, I thank you that we've got a team that knows how to worship you when no one's here so their hearts can be ready to worship when somebody shows up. God, I thank you that there's a people, people in place that know how to worship when nobody's watching, that know how to give when nobody sees, know how to do when no one's, no one's looking, no one's, no one's even in the place at that moment, at that time, but to serve and to allow the work that God wants to accomplish that you're calling. If we're going to be in balance, in order to be in balance, it requires humility. Humility is what keeps us in balance. I want to give you just these couple things today of what, of what humility opens the door for. Here's number one. Humility leads to honor. When you honor someone, the, the best way to be relevant in someone's life is to honor them. And here's what honor means. Honor, you, we've said this before if you've been a part of, of our church for a period of time. Uh, honor means to shift the weight. That when you give honor to someone, you move the weight from you to someone else. You put more value on someone else than you do yourself. It's when you give consideration. Too many people think that humility means to think less about yourself. Humility does not mean to think less about yourself. It just means to think about yourself less. It's not to think less about yourself. God has given you the resources. And sometimes we would, some people think, well, in order to be humble, well, I'm just humble. Well, being poor isn't humble. Being, being poor is not being a good steward of what God gives you. That's not humility. That's stupidity. Now, that's not an offense because if you think you're poor, you're living in the wrong country. You're not poor. So if, if that offended somebody in the room, I know we back up on that offense thing we talked about last week. Uh, if you think you're poor, no, you're not. The poorest person in America is still among the top 15% of wealthiest people in the world. So get your perspective in the right place because we're oftentimes poor, not because we don't have, but because we don't know how to handle what we do have. Because even the little that we have, God knows how to bless it when we handle it appropriately. And he knows how to take the little and cause it to be much. His economy always works. It's always good. He knows how to make it happen. God's desire is not to be humbled by you having nothing. God's desire is by you taking your strength and sharing it for the purpose of blessing other people. It's your resources that you honor other people. You see, you've got strengths that I don't have. And there are other people who have strengths that we don't have. And when you use your strength, you recognize your ability. And here's your ability. Your ability then becomes your availability. You make yourself available to serve with the ability that God gave you. But if your ability comes first, then it will always be about you. But when it's your availability, you're identifying, I'm number one available. And when I say I'm available, then I recognize God has given me the ability. So now I'm going to use what God has given me to, to advance his work, to bless somebody, to use. I love in places that I've watched people who are mentoring. They're doing mentoring programs. And you know who they are mentoring? They're teachers who get paid to teach, but then volunteer because they have a resource and they give their resource in a place where they're not making money, even though they do make money in another place, they recognize their gift wasn't made for them to make money. Their gift was made for them to advance the gospel or to work or to invest. And there's some people who aren't even followers of Jesus Christ who have caught on to that. That I'm not giving this. This is not my ability to get paid for. If all I do is what I get paid for, then I'm not doing the work that needs to be done. Because there might be some areas where I don't get paid for this. But it's, if it's the pay that drives me, then how many know I'm more, I, it's more that I'm in a place of investability with an I. It's what I get from it. It's what I gain from it. 
But my availability is, no, it just transfers and goes from me. And it's only for a moment. See, I've got to honor people. And here's what it is to honor. Some people would think that honor means to bow at someone's feet. You don't honor your spouse by bowing at their feet. You honor your spouse by kneeling on your knee and putting him on your shoulder and lifting him up. I've done a couple weddings. And every wedding I've done and every wedding I'm going to do, I use this word that's in the Bible to submit to one another as unto the Lord. And I have had a handful of occasions where the couples have asked me if I could take the word submit out. To which I've said, no, I can't. It's the Bible. You can't do that. And here's why we want to take the word submit out, because we miss it. We think submit is lay down and get walked all over. That's not submit. Submit is not a doormat. And if you are expecting for someone to just lay down so you can walk all over them, I wouldn't submit to you either. If you're a doormat, if you're just looking for a doormat, I'm not going to submit to you either. But the people who really know what submission is, is they recognize that submission is when I stoop down to put someone on my shoulders. It's not when I grovel and lay at someone's feet. It's when I get down just temporarily to put them on my shoulder and lift them above me. It's when I put them on my shoulder. And you know what happens when you put someone on your shoulder? There is a joy and there is a blessing that now you reap the benefits of what God is doing in their life that flows down into your, into your life. When you learn how to stoop down for a moment and make someone great. Do you know that's what the gospel is all about? Jesus was displaced for just a moment. For just a moment, he stooped down from heaven and he came down to mankind. And just for a moment, he displaced himself from his heavenly realm and he came to a place of broken people. And just for a moment, he spent 33 years, just for a moment, just for a moment, he laid in a grave for three days. Also, he could put us on his shoulders and stand right back up and take us to a place to honor and to lift us up. We have been called at moments, you've got to displace yourself just for a moment so you can honor and lift people up. If we don't know how to honor, we'll not be able to carry something great. You can't carry the ark if you don't know how to carry one another's burdens. You can't carry the presence of God if you don't know how to carry one another's burdens. Your ability to carry the presence of God is determined by your ability to carry one another's burdens. That when we walk in, in, in humility, that we take this upon, some of us need to learn how to stoop down. Some of us need to learn how to humble ourselves. Let me give you number two. Number two is this, that humility, humility leads to holiness. I know some of you are like, well, that's just an old Bible term. It's an old Bible word. Let me tell you, this old Bible word is relevant as it's always been. It's relevant. Here's what holiness is. Holiness is an invitation to the presence of God. When we invite God, you know, the invitation of, of asking, of, of wanting and desiring God. The Bible says that without holiness, no one can see God. Holiness is to be set apart for a purpose. You are called for a holy purpose. You might work in a filthy environment, but how many know God wants to use you in that place because that environment doesn't determine your holiness. The power and the presence of God in your life is greater in you than it is in the world. That determines that you're made holy because of his presence and that where you go, his presence goes with you. That God wants you to be a holy reflection, to bring his glory, to allow his glory to go forth. Here's the, the, the purpose of, of walking with holiness 
that when we humble ourselves, we humble ourselves and it, becomes, it creates holiness because what we do is we lift holy hands. The Bible says to lift holy hands before the Lord. And the reason this is important is because we're acknowledging God before we acknowledge what we want God to do. Before we reach out and take something, we're lifting hands of surrender to God and saying, God, I don't want to take what I, first, what I don't first submit to you and say, God, I don't want to just take something. I want to receive what you have for me. Let me just ask some of us today, what you're walking in, are you just taking it? Or are you receiving what God has for you? When you walk into your workplace, you go to your workplace. God has given you that for a purpose. Are you just taking it? Or are you saying, God, I receive what you have for me. And when I receive what you have for me, I know that this is your work that you're doing in me. And I want it to be accomplished in my life. That I want to lift holy hands. That I become not someone just grabbing for something. Not just trying to take. But I, God, I want you to flow through me. That we walk in holiness, which is a preparation before God. Here's the two things that, that the Bible says that need to be holy. A clean heart and clean hands. When the heart and the hands, that that allows, that that is the holiness of being set apart for God. God, I want your intention, I want your purpose, and I want the things that I do to be for your glory. That I want it to bring you glory. To walk in holiness before God. Humility is when we bow down to recognize how great God is. And when we recognize how great God is, we're not reaching for what we can get. We're now saying, God, I'm available for what you have. I'm available for what it is that you want to do in my life. Let me give you number three. Number three is this, that humility leads to healing. That when we walk in humility, it leads to healing. We've got to be at a place of stepping back before we can go further. And what I mean by that is too often um, it's easier to step on people. It's easier to walk in our own desires and ways, but to step back and say, God, help me to be humble. Healing is directly connected to humility. There's a direct connection to our humility and God's healing. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called, there it is again, called. He's calling, his calling, his purpose. If my people who know the purpose that I have for them, if my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves. If they will humble themselves, our first step is humility. Humility leads and opens the door to what God is able to do. If my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Listen, sometimes we're trying or we tell people, well, you gotta turn from your wicked ways first. That's true, but you gotta just humble yourself first. You know why? Because when you humble yourself, what you're doing is humility allows you to get in balance. Because if you're trying to turn from your wicked ways before you know his presence and know his glory, you can't do it on your own. You don't have enough to turn from your wicked ways. You cannot defeat sin. You can only flee from sin. You can only flee the things that, that, are, that might be around you. You cannot overcome it. Only the one who is Christ, who is in you, can overcome the things that come against you. It's only Jesus in you. That's the only hope that we have. I know we could preach a whole bunch of things that we, we can do and ought to do, but if you've not heard anything, hear this. Jesus alone is the only one who is able to give us hope and to give, give us victory. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. And when we humble ourselves before him, it says humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and in due time, he'll lift you up. He'll position you. There's a direct connection between humility and healing. Your marriage might be at a place of being healed when you learn how to be humble. When you learn how to be humble. 
Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Abraham Lincoln, who the world has great respect for, he had made a statement of what he had wanted Stanton, his war secretary, the one who was was helping on the front lines of the battle, he had made a, a call for him to do something. And Stanton, of course, had gotten the word as it came to him. And he made a comment. Stanton had said something to the effect of, Lincoln is not in his right mind. He doesn't know what he's talking about. There were those that were in the room who heard what was said. And so because they heard what was said, they started telling other people what was said. And then it got to the press that Stanton doesn't think Lincoln knows what he's talking about. So then the press asks President Lincoln, what do you say about the secretary who made this comment about you? President Lincoln said, if that is what Stanton said, then that must be true because Stanton is hardly ever wrong. He left it at that. All of a sudden, Stanton reaches out to him and says, Mr. President, I apologize. That didn't need, didn't intend for that. All the rest. Lincoln then says to him, he says, I need to hear your voice. They talk. Lincoln literally acknowledges and says, I was in the wrong. I didn't have the right information. Stanton was correct. The man who is leading the country through a difficult time, stooped down and said, I need to get from you, but I don't have myself. I need to hear from you. You see, your next great thing that God wants to do in your life might be the people that you're pushing away because of bitterness, disappointment, And God's saying, if you'll learn how to stoop down and put them on your shoulder, you'll walk into greater things than you could ever imagine. You say, well, God, I'm waiting for them to step down and stoop down and recognize they're wrong. No. The big picture might be something so great, but the small picture is to stoop down in humility because you'll never have significance we don't start with serving. So I don't know where God is calling you to serve because it's connected to healing, that humility will open the door to healing. If you need healing in your life, try some humility. Some of you in the room might need to learn how to say in sincerity, circle and underline that word sincerity. In sincerity, I'm sorry. In sincerity, not in a you just think you're right all the time and you guys, well, whatever. And blah, 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 blah. Wait, are we good here? I'm not sure. We... Sincerity. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there's some tension in your heart. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. And you say, well, if I humble myself, they'll walk all over me. Wait a minute. Whose purpose is it? Yours or God's? Because if it's God's, He won't let anything formed against you prosper. He'll he'll protect you and keep you. But if it's yours, you're on your own. 
If it's yours, then you do it. But if it's his, then you might walk in front of those. And even though they despise you, you bless those who, who, who use you. You bless those who curse against you. You love even your enemy. You humble yourself and serve. He'll lift you up. He'll put you on his shoulders. And they'll be like, I can't touch him up there. He's higher than I've ever been. He's in a place I can't reach. You'll get to a higher place when you know how to humble yourself in the presence of God. You'll never walk into your greatness until you learn how to humble yourself in your right now he'll put you on his shoulders he'll lift you above and then you know what you'll sing the songs like David 10,000 fall at my side they don't even come near me they don't come close to me because I am in the presence of the one who is greater than me humble yourself humble yourself before the Lord humble yourself before the Lord and in due season the right time he'll lift you up he'll lift you up lift you up I feel somebody getting lifted up in their spirit today I feel someone getting lifted up in their spirit this morning I feel someone being set free today in your spirit in your spirit today allowing that freedom so how many would say as we put a period on this is next series we're saying God we're going to step in the small picture of every time getting ready to walk in humility because when we walk into humility it opens the door of the next great thing that God wants to accomplish in our lives I know today that God's speaking to someone's heart and he's setting you free he's healing your land your spirit is being restored your body is being hopeful your mind is at peace presence of the, I don't know who I'm talking to, but man, I sense, I sense breakthrough. I sense peace. I sense peace. In fact, he says, be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, forgiving each other's, other's sins. Oh my goodness. Allow that healing to flow and keeping the bond of peace. I don't know who it is this morning, but there's freedom. God is setting you free today. He's setting you free today. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord.